Hello, everyone. My name is Mika. My name's Charlotte. I'm Amanda, and this is State of the Pod. It's a very interesting topic that we're going to be delving into today. It involves a lot of implications about global health, about potential alternatives for people who can't afford it, and even cultural opportunities for people who have been neglected services because of the way that they've been brought up. Our first topic is going to be just kind of introducing what holistic medicine is and why it's valuable. So holistic medicine is a blanket term for many diverse systematic approaches and treatments for physiological and psychological ailments. It has little risk, is easily accessible, and intently focuses on a person's unique needs. As I said earlier, it is a subgroup of complementary alternative medicines, which I will refer to as CAM. For a bit of context on CAM, I will cite an article from the National Cancer Institute and National Library of Medicine. CAM both works as supplementary practices added to primary care or encompassing treatments of their own. What this could look like is if somebody's experiencing lower back pain like myself, I could go to a CAM site and I would be given treatment that would directly impact that part of my body. And it could also be a subsidiary. For example, the National Cancer Institute says that CAM may help patients cope with cancer's deleterious side effects, provide comfort during daunting treatments, and even expedite the curing process. What do you guys think that can imply? I guess things that I have seen that non-Western medicine has been helpful for is like mental distress by doing things like um, meditation or yoga. Yeah, I think pain relief is probably a big one. So definitely breathing exercises, which will be talked about a lot later in the episode. Yeah, there's a lot of connection between the mind and the body. And when we feel psychological distress, our body's going to respond. And when we feel physical distress, our minds are going to try and protect ourselves. So most CAM treatments that we will talk about are Eastern medicinal practices, which originate in China, India, and Japan. They focus a lot on aspects that Western medicine wouldn't like qi, which is the Chinese word for energy, or specific points in your body that could be holding tension that you can alleviate through the usage of an acupuncture or massage therapy. Holistic medicine, to quote the National Library of Medicine, posits psychological, familial, societal, ethical, and spiritual, as well as biological dimensions of health. Charlotte, Amanda, we already mentioned some stuff about mindfulness and meditation. What treatments do you think could integrate other dimensions, like societal, ethical, or spiritual ones? Yeah, I agree with the points you made. I also think that, like, it's a lot of things where Western medicine is, like, kind of just like you take some kind of prescription for something whereas for holistic medicine it's more orientated towards like using your own body and your own mind to guide you somewhere Mm -hmm. so then yeah things like i said before like meditation and yoga can help with that where that could also be helpful Mm -hmm. i think that was a really excellent point that you just made about treating the whole person and looking at all of the symptoms or all the causes that are causing their pain because in reality we all experience pain And looking at the connections between the way that we experience pain, our environments, our upbringing, are important to treating what we view as pain. For example, like, if I break my arm, I don't think breath work is going to heal my arm. So definitely seek out Western medicine. But again, holistic medicine or CAM is really effective for making these treatments go faster or making them a little bit less intrusive to your daily life. Because it's natural doesn't mean that it's perfect. Ensuring that there are no negative drug interactions or just uh, pseudoscientific treatments can be ensured by speaking to a medical professional. In my opinion, people should be informed because it is a potential alternative to Western medicine that has been shown to be effective. 
For example, in a meta-analysis published for the International Journal of Adolescent Medicine and Health, it was found that holistic treatments are effective CAMs for physical, mental, sexual, and existential disorders. They directly state in this meta-analysis that every second patient was healed and that holistic clinical medicine had no significant side effects or adverse effects. There are many reasons for people to lean towards using holistic medicine, and some of the major reasons are for acute or chronic pain like we previously mentioned, mental health, addiction, and cultural reasons. Another experience of pain that I have that holistic medicine has helped treat is my lower back injury, like I mentioned earlier. I have gone to multiple holistic therapy treatments to help with this. I've gotten physical therapy, which has been amazing for my flexibility. I go to yoga every week, which Charlotte over here also engages in. I uh, do, yes. Would you give some examples of experiences that you've had with yoga and um, how it's helped you? Well, I'm a little bit new to yoga. Um, I'm taking uh, the vinyasa yoga class that's offered here at Cornell, and I do it every Saturday morning. One thing I've noticed is I just feel looser and more relaxed when... I come out of a session, I haven't like done a lot of meditation stuff before, but I think the breathing that we do in that class where we're breathing through each exercise and making sure that we're feeling how our body's stretching, not overstretching, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just kind of a new way of getting movement and exercise, and I really like it. Good. It connects the way that you see energy moving in your body and the way that your blood flows with how your muscles are working and how they connect to your bones. And I just today, I went to an acupuncture clinic in downtown Ithaca. Uh, it's called Fall Creek Acupuncture. Extremely, extremely kind, very welcoming. Uh, and his specific uh, treatment for my acute pain was to focus on the site. Many holistic medicine practitioners use different methods of addressing pain. Some of them try and look at the whole system, how it's interconnected and why different aspects of your body may be causing pain. And some may even just look at that specific region and try and hone in on the little tiny things in that part of your body that are causing pain. Because the body is both interconnected, but it's also segregated into different parts. There are parts that can be treated very directly. So another reason why many people may consider holistic medicine is because of stigmatization or inequitable access to stuff like therapy. One of my friends even told me that his parents viewed mental health resources as kind of a failure, which to me is, it sounds very disheartening. So holistic medicine provides an excellent alternative for that that may not be as stigmatized and can provide people with relief that is much needed in the constantly hectic nature of our daily lives. Now that we've established some background information and context on holistic medicine, I'd like to introduce our interview with Carrie Quinn. Hello, Carrie. Hi. Um, I just wanted to start out this interview and ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, what's your story? How has mindfulness and yoga specifically played a role in your life and your story? And what benefits have you noticed in your life as you become more experienced with your practice? So I'm going to give an encapsulated version because there are two major areas of my life that are inexorably intertwined that have become part of my makeup. So I am a woman in long-term recovery. Uh, I just celebrated 12 years sober. Uh, free, oh, yeah, it's super mint. So that means no mood or mind altering substances. There, there came a time in my life where it was no longer a choice. It was a necessity. I needed to come back to self and come back to wholeness because I was fractured. The other part that you mentioned is my yoga journey. So 
I started getting sober in 09. Um, my mother passed in 2001 after being sick for a number of years. Uh, she was my best friend and a wonderful mother. So um, grief was consuming. I was still actively addicted after her death because I was definitely medicating some of that vast emptiness away. My boyfriend at that time got me a whole year of yoga at a local studio. Um, it was really neat. You know, I liked it because I was a a gymnast um, when I was young. There was a physicality that reverberated with me with yoga. And then there was this breath work that I would go and I would feel sad and barren and empty and anxious and scattered. What I noticed was that I went in there with a full suitcase and um, I would leave feeling clear, more calm, focused, and a sense of peace that came up from within my being, not dependent on the outside. Um, so I got very quickly addicted to going to yoga because okay. it let it let me be the gymnast that I once was, right? That I was no longer. And it also had this medicinal purpose. In December of 2020, I finally jumped off the cliff and I wanted to, a little emotional, I wanted to share um, the depth of what I get to experience in my life and in my body with other people. So I took my teacher training and I am now a, a 500 hour registered yoga teacher. And Amazing. Um, I get to give back what was so freely given to me. Is there a specific demographic of people that come to you for help with mindfulness and yoga? Because I know that many, um, many demographic groups are affected differently by mind and body pain, losing autonomy and or horrible existential threats against them because of systems in place. Are there a specific demographic of people that you find you work with very well? So the people that are drawn to me, I am a rape survivor. Um, I also became pregnant from that rape at 19 years old, and it was a very violent occurrence. And so then, then the trauma sustained afterwards, um, because then there was like this, this hatred that was hard to dissipate and um, a distrust of the world at large. So I do get a lot of sex harm survivors that are just drawn to me naturally. And I don't orate it immediately. I let them uncover what they need to uncover, discover what they need to learn from that. And then I can help them discard by sharing similar experience. So I do get a lot of sex trauma survivors. Is there anything that you want people to know about holistic medicine that you haven't gone over yet? Holistic medicine comes from the word whole. We're treating the whole person. Well, okay. thank you so much. I really appreciate your perspectives and insight on the ways in which our minds work and the way we can recover from things that have harmed us and prevent future harm. Hearing you speak about it, I can tell you have so much passion. It gives me a lot of joy to be able to sit down here with you and listen to your experiences and your knowledge. So uh -huh. thank you so much. It's my pleasure. 
So I just want to thank Carrie again quickly for such a wonderful interview. Just to reiterate, Carrie has used holistic medicine to form and continue to form meaningful connections with people who have experienced trauma. This has helped them out a lot, including helping Carrie herself in overcoming emotional and mental distress. I want to pass it over to Charlotte now because she has done a little bit of research into how social media can impact the experiences people have with holistic medicine, whether that be positive or negative. So holistic medicine has become very popularized over the years, um, but there are a few issues that have arisen because of that. It seems to be more widespread because of how much more frequently it's shown in the media and how connected people feel to it through their own culture or their friend's culture. It's a great thing that people are able to find an alternative to Western medicine, but definitely other issues can arise like ableism, cultural appropriation, gender stereotypes, and problems with accessibility. Um, So I'll talk a little bit about its role in the media. I found a paper from the National Aboriginal Health Organization And they had a quote that said, we are now entering a new era with the selling of what was traditionally considered sacred knowledge offered to all for a fee. I thought this was very significant and really made me think. Do you guys want to talk about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I kind of think that this also is like a powerful statement in the sense that like it feels like it's something where we're now commoditizing it rather than using it for the betterment of people and ourselves. So... Yeah, I think in that way, media sometimes leans it towards a negative sense instead of, like, promoting it for a good sense and letting people be aware of the resources they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that point. I think commodifying things that people used to consider sacred to themselves is not only a form of appropriation to people who have driven these cultures through time through both oral and written tradition and now it's just being used by companies instead of them having their own rights to it. I even think that could contribute to larger understandings of companies using knowledge or practices from certain communities and trying to promote it as something ornate or interesting yeah. or different or, out or of the even, norm. Or even new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, to bring us into the social media era, um, app usage is a very major method of spreading cam. And especially with social media, I see tons of ads when I'm scrolling through like Instagram or Snapchat for mindfulness apps and meditation apps and these can be really helpful amanda i know you're a fan of a certain mindfulness app do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah sure so i am a fan of an app called finch which is promoted as a self-care widget pet and in this app it gives me a lot of options for things i can do to improve both my mental and physical health Um, specifically it provides me with daily goals that i can choose to customize and i can fulfill as many as i want i Also, I love the breathing exercises and stretches that they have because they customize depending on like the time of the day. So like in the morning, it can be used to help me get out of bed, where in the afternoon, it could be used to help me focus um, and calm myself down. In this app, they also have journaling options, which I tend to use pretty frequently. And in those, I use it to like reflect on my day and just my overall emotions and track how I've been feeling throughout the day and how it's been changing. So in this app, it definitely covers a pretty wide range of things that people can do to have a more like productive and positive day. 
Yeah, no, and I think that definitely shows some of the accessibility of CAM and how it's it's so, it, if you have internet access and access to apps, um, it can be something really simple and very beneficial and um, cost-effective, yeah. and yeah. I'm, I've even done a little bit of research recently for one of my school projects about how these sorts of mindfulness apps can help people and how they can help them cope with addiction to even social media and stuff like that and the associated uh, lowered self-esteem and depression that can come with it. Uh, I, I also use a meditation app called Headspace, and it does similar stuff. It provides me with breathing exercises, daily routines. It gives me like a morning wake-up breath exercise leads me into a daily course and then like an overarching course of like 30 lessons that teach you how to feel something better and right now I'm taking a course on appreciation and being more grateful for the things that happen in my everyday life so it, it puts a very positive spin on things that can tend to hinder your life and make you feel unaccomplished or unhappy. And yeah, it sounds like there's a broad scope of things that can be covered in apps. So you can have something as simple as helping you count your breaths and then something to help you with like very major emotional aspects of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I also want to talk about, I read um, an interesting study done on CAM usage in Malaysia, which was really interesting because um, Malaysia is considered a developing country. And in developed countries, CAM usage varies from about 30% to 90%, whereas in developing countries, it's pretty consistently around 70%. Malaysia was 56% of people participated in CAM usage, which is more than half of the population, which definitely does not feel like something that happens in the U.S. Primarily older adults um, who were... Uh, dissatisfied with conventional medicine and who also lived in traditional rural areas, they were more likely to seek medical care with CAM versus westernized hospital medicine. And also unemployed people with lower incomes were more likely to use CAM because it was very cost effective. And I think that if you're living in a rural area in Malaysia, um, traditional herbal healing methods are very widespread and a lot less inexpensive. And I think it's really interesting to compare those demographics with the U.S. because if we go through some of the westernized trends that I've seen, which there was an article in the Journal of Social Science and Medicine called The Gender Puzzle of Alternative Medicine and Holistic Sp Spirituality, CAM users have, have been found to be young, female, and white. And alternatively, in this Malaysia study, they were primarily male. And I think it's very interesting because it's sort of conceptualized to be this soft medicine compared to hard biomedical practices. And it doesn't seem to be taken as seriously as a good alternative. And I think it is more cost effective in many ways, but I don't think that people who can't afford biomedical medicine are as sort of sort of made as accessible or like they it's not as knowledgeable to them. Um, as it is for seemingly more upper-class communities because it's something that they can seek out and get information on um, mm -hmm. more easily. It's also interesting because within CAM practices, 66% of chiropractors are women, whereas 88% of people involved in herbal medicine are women. So, it's, so even within CAM, you get sort of this gendered split, whereas chiropractor, chiropractoring is more like hands-on, like this physical <laughs> thing, whereas herbal medicine can be even more feminized. So I thought that was really fascinating. Hmm. And um, I think these differences could be seen as an opportunity to, to challenge existing structures. 
um, in medicine because um, women are kind of pioneering a new field. But it could also be seen as a perpetuation of existing stereotypes and kind of actually reinforcing a power structure that's in place. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? The first thought that comes to mind is how pervasive gender norms are throughout our society. And that this, because it's an excellent example of the way that people view women and men and traditional um, gender norms. Like, for example, um, many cultures use women as the carriers of knowledge and like passing down oral tradition and medicine and, and, and that sort of stuff. Whereas in our modern day, it's been much more industrialized and it's been allowed to be more equal. So looking at trends over time, it's good to see that we are overcoming a lot of these inequities that have been present in the past and that we're starting to become a little bit more equal where we put gender specific people in both CAM and Western medicine practices. Yeah, I mean, like, going into that, I think it is something where holistic medicine is very feminized, but it's pretty interesting to me that, like, it's not taken so seriously. Because I know with uh, Native American societies, they tend to be very matriarchal. So, I don't know if that's why people lean towards holistic medicine and stuff, (laughs) and that's why it was, like, majority, like, trusted that over, like, say, a prescription or, like, some kind of pill. But... Yeah. Now, maybe because, like, it's switching to a, a patriarchal society and it is being led more by men, like, that could be something where now we're leaning away from it because yeah. it is very feminized. feminized. But then you did bring up, like, Malaysia and everything where it's, like, a lot of the males actually took yeah. part in this. And it it seems, because it, it seems like they take CAM more seriously yeah. there. Like, it's a more like widespread... A medicine, yeah. too, rather than as a secondary if this doesn't work out. Yeah. I I would even say that leads into a broader question of like what could be considered positive or negative masculinity. That's true. Like could practicing cam and healing people could that be interpreted as a positive derivation of what we view to be masculine in our modern yeah, world? Definitely. Like, yeah, definitely. Like even if it is hands-on, at least it's being applied in a helpful way, not a beat <laughs> someone up way. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I mean, it, there's a lot of minutiae to it, right? There's positives, there's negatives, there's the in-between, the gray area. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also read an article from the journal Frontiers in Psychology called How and Why Patient Concerns Influence Pain Reporting. And it talked a lot about when people will choose to underreport and overreport their pain. So one place where underreporting pain was really common um, was to avoid medical settings and certain medications and maybe reduce their time in medical settings. There was a quote, for some, this was predicated on instances where others had coerced or convinced them to seek care in the first place. So when we're talking about choosing a holistic medicine route, this could help people to avoid, I think, what are often stressful and really unhelpful environments. It might not. What do you guys think? Yeah, I feel like sometimes people see it where they've already been to several people and restating like the pain that they've felt and everything. Either it'll be minimized again or some people just won't give them the help they need. So then that causes them to just be like, no, I'm not feeling pain that bad, even if they are. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really excellent point that you made, like choosing holistic medicine can help people seek treatment and help themselves before it becomes too much to bear, before it's overloading on their shoulders and they're crushed by immeasurable expectations or too much stuff on their plate and too little time to decompress and process their emotions and what they've been experiencing. 
Yeah. Um, so people will also underreport pain due to cost, um, whether this is due to the cost of the actual procedure um, and their time in, me- in medical care, or the cost of missing work or the need for childcare, um, etc. And holistic medicine can be quite a bit cheaper than traditional Western medicine. It can also be more expensive <laughs> in some <laughs> cases. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's definitely a place where holistic medicine can come in. Yeah, just like building off of that, I think it is a thing where because holistic medicine feels almost like a niche topic to people or it's something where it's like it's not as mainstream. Um like most insurances will take this western medicine and then like you can get it covered by insurance. But with holistic medicines, they are opening it up more to insurance and everything, but you have to be more cautious about it and you probably have to pay more out of pocket than you do with going to like a western doctor. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you just brought up because as holistic medicine becomes more mainstream and people are able to apply their insurance towards it, it could become another case of inequitable access. Mm -hmm. People who have more wealth on their hands or who have better access to insurance may be given these treatments and holistic medicine practitioners may be jacking up their prices instead of doing it for their customers. Like, for example, when I went to acupuncture earlier today, my insurance allowed me to get a $25 copay in. It's affordable, and my pain went away almost instantaneously. I walked home feeling elated. At some point, there comes the question of what happens to the people who don't have that sort of money or that sort of insurance, people who can't afford it. Yeah, and this surprisingly ties into my next point about pain reporting in biomedical practices. So people will over-report sometimes, in order to be taken seriously by a practitioner, especially those in marginalized groups. I think there's an inherent lack of trust between many marginalized groups and medical doctors because of a very long history of (laughs) medical doctors exploiting and just not giving them the care that they need. And I think uh, this can also lead to people just avoiding care altogether. Uh, So I think holistic medicine may be could be an alternative that people might go to just because I think it's more self-run in many cases. There's less of a, this needs to be prescribed to me by this doctor and more like I can take responsibility for my own care just because it's, again, less mainstream and less, I guess, regulated. (laughs) Not even as empirical in some ways, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. I feel like in general, as like a stereotype of it, is holistic medicine feels more like welcoming to a person and like more like individualized and one-on-one, where like the, I guess, practitioner would get to know the person better before they tell them to do a certain thing. Whereas for Western medicine, it, or it's like a standard, like you feel this, so I'm gonna prescribe you this. I feel like you're less likely to lie to someone that you know is like personally trying to help you rather than like, this is the standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like many people who I've spoken to when they go into the doctor and they ask them, oh, do you do any recreational drugs like marijuana? They won't want to say anything. Yeah. It can be associated with not just stigma, but also getting in trouble. Few people know that doing these sorts of drugs and going to a medical professional and admitting to that medical professional that you do engage in, in those sorts of substances isn't going to cause them to call the police on yeah. you. And it is it is scary. Like you guys said, it's very impersonal. It feels almost cold in some ways. And that can be accentuated by things that we mentioned priorly, like systemic injustices based in the medical system, like with 
um, African-American women like Henrietta Lacks being taken advantage of, having her cells turn into Gila, and not, her family wasn't even compensated for it. Yeah. Like, people are afraid. It's very frustrating, too. Mm-hmm. And I think another question is, like, how can we make sure that holistic medicine doesn't go down this path and doesn't become commercialized, doesn't become almost impersonal? Yeah, that's very true. Is yeah, that- having it maintain the same sort of indie <laughs> like <laughs> um i would say that it's a thing where like primary care doctors are a great way for you to resolve any health problems you could be having but i feel like there's a problem with them having extremely long work days or just having so many patients that they need to juggle and i wonder if it's a thing where people could see holistic medicine practitioners rather than primary care doctors and if this could be a balance so that holistic medicine practitioners can get more customers but then um primary care doctors aren't being so overworked yeah yeah i was also reading a bit about holistic medicine use um being sort of implemented into med school as part of the curriculum and the article said that it was actually very easy and it went very very like it wasn't pushing people behind or emphasizing things that weren't valuable and i think that doctors even just having an underlying knowledge of CAM and being able to refer to the refer their patients to other places, I I think that would be really helpful just yeah. to have the option when you go into a biomedical setting. All right, so that wraps up this podcast on holistic medicine. Thank you all for listening in. A special thanks to Carrie for the amazing interview and insights and to the state of the pod team for our recording equipment and editing software. See you all next time. <laughs>